Welcome to Transform, a podcast highlighting the people and ideas shaping the future of senior living. I'm Tim Regan for Senior Housing News. This episode of Transform is brought to you by Medication Management Partners. The Crestwood, Illinois-based company provides medication management and is a dedicated pharmacy partner for assisted living, memory care, and behavioral health communities across the country. And over the past few months, the organization has helped its senior living partners navigate their COVID-19 vaccination clinics. I recently spoke with Patrice Johnson, the Director of Partner Success at Medication Management Partners, and her advice for senior living providers who are still going through their clinics, make it fun. And don't forget to wear short sleeves if you're getting your shot. She also shared some thoughts on how much longer she thinks the industry will have to hold vaccination clinics and what comes next after the Pharmacy Partnership for Long-Term Care program ends. So without further ado, here's my interview with Patrice Johnson, Director of Partner Success at Medication Management Partners. Patrice Johnson, thank you so much for joining me on Transform today. I wanted to start with an overview of medication management partners. So tell me about medication management partners and also how you're currently working to support senior living companies with their COVID-19 vaccine clinics. Yeah, Tim, sure. Thanks for having me. First of all, medication management partners, MMP, was founded as really a beyond pharmacy solution to exclusively service residents and assisted living memory care communities. Our mission is to improve the quality of life and to simplify pharmacy really for, you know, the residents, the communities, but also, you know, our staff, the staff at the communities. And so when it comes to vaccinations, pharmacists can really play three pivotal roles, educate, facilitate, vaccinate. And so when it comes to those three roles, really MMP worked to operationalize how we could participate in a way that was meaningful. And so What we did is we started out with education. We held a series of webinars, uh, did some live programs, did some Q&A sessions to support the families, to support the staff and the residents in making an educated decision about the vaccine. As you know, this has been such an emotional year with everything in the news and, you know, all of the publicity. They're really helping people to make an educated, not just an emotional decision was, you know, part of what was important to us. And then during the initial kickoff in phase one of, you know, the vaccine distribution, we really helped to facilitate vaccination by advocacy in our national associations, assisting communities with gathering billing information for clinics hosted by CVS and Walgreens, and then staffing clinics with some of our own team members. And then lastly, when it comes to vaccinating, we actually are at the point now where we've received an Illinois allocation of the, vac- of the vaccine. And so we're fulfilling our role as vaccinators and providing on-site COVID-19 vaccination clinics. So I, this is something that I think probably all of our listeners would be interested in knowing. So from yeah. your vantage point, and we are talking in, I want to remind our listeners, we are talking in late March. From your vantage point, where would you say the senior living industry is in its vaccination efforts right now? And how much longer do you see these efforts continuing? Yeah, you know, Tim, I think it's a really exciting time for senior living because now we're at the point where there's incredible relief for the operators, right? You know, Operators are hitting, you know, upwards of 90, 95% of their residents being vaccinated. And so the relief that comes with that is tremendous. 
Now, the staff numbers are not as high. You know, we're seeing 50 to 60 percent in terms of staff being vaccinated. But one of the nice things that we're starting to see is staff is becoming more comfortable, you know, as they've seen their friends and other people get vaccinated and nothing happened to them. They're becoming more comfortable with it. And so, you know, I'd say that you can feel just the energy in senior living right now. People are excited. People are feeling relieved. And so they're starting to you know, feel more comfortable about bringing uh, new residents into the community. And then in terms of how long I think it's going to, you know, how much longer I think we're going to be involved in these efforts, I think it's going to take another four to five months. We've got another four to five months ahead of us of really focused vaccination efforts. As the communities open up again, we've got to keep our finger on the pulse of this so that we continue to vaccinate new staff, continue to get new residents vaccinated because there's still a huge population that's out there that has not been vaccinated. I mean, really, we're, you know, got a long way to go. We're about, and it feels, it does not feel like this, but we are about a year past the date that that this pandemic sort of began, or at least uh, when, when it really started to ramp up. So over the past year, at least in terms of the past few months and the vaccination efforts anyway, what has gone better than expected and what has been, you know, challenging in your eyes? Yeah, so... Earlier, I shared with you that we took on education early on, and we created a series of programs. And I really believe that the educational programming that we delivered as vaccines started to become available, that that was really meaningful and impactful. We heard so many heartwarming stories of staff that shared our videos with their moms and dads and their cousins and their friends. And so We had people with tears in their eyes, Tim, thanking us, you know. So our intention was to support residents and families and their staff. And the ripple effect of having that education be shared and easily accessible to anyone really led to the kind of exponential impact that all of us hope that our work creates, right? So, you know, definitely I'd say that was a surprise and it just went better than we expected. We didn't expect that to be such a big YouTube hit, Um, but that really did. And I'd say in terms of challenges, there really are no words to describe the challenge of the bureaucracy and the paperwork to acquire the vaccine. Similar to what the communities experience in terms of testing and reporting and getting the testing supplies, you know, the effort for the vaccine, it's fantastic that the government paid for this ahead of time. Each state, though, is very territorial about their vaccine. And so the biggest challenge that we've had over the last year is keeping up with each state's requirements for what they what paperwork they need, navigating through these various application processes and reporting processes. That's been just extraordinary. Um, nothing I've, I've ever seen before. It's, it's really quite overwhelming. So that's a challenge that we continue to deal with. And I want to maybe in, in a little bit dive into maybe what what makes, you know, some advice that you might have for senior yeah. living providers in that boat. On the topic of advice, though, just generally, can you share any best practices or tips that you have seen that make for a good vaccine clinic? Yeah, I think they're really simple. And my answer, you know, is in that keep it simple mindset is, is really in preparing for the vaccine clinic. It's the simple things. It's have the consent forms ready. It's you know, have the billing information. If you need help for the billing information, reach out to your pharmacy. It's, you know, ensure that you've got staff that is part of that clinic to help move the residents around and get people in position to make it go efficiently. 
The other part is to have it be celebratory. I mean, these events are, you know, they're just tremendous in terms of, you know, moving us forward. And so have it be, you know, celebratory, have it, to, you know, be an exciting event. And then the last thing, the last detail I'll share is invite the residents and staff to wear short sleeves, <laughs> you know, from a dignity standpoint. Really, it makes a huge difference in, if staff is in clothing that, you know, and residents are in clothing that allows them to maintain dignity as they're getting that shot in their deltoid muscle in their arm. Yeah, I've, I've I've seen enough photos of people who have had to half remove their shirts that I that I I will absolutely make sure that I wear I wear short sleeves. But that is yep. that is that is great advice. Yeah. Earlier you'd mentioned, and and I think this is not a, anything new to people in this industry that you know staffers have been a little bit more reluctant than residents to take their their doses of the vaccine. You said that that's that's improved in recent weeks. Can you tell us, I guess, more about what you're seeing there and whether your educational efforts are really starting to pay off? Yeah, yeah. I think, you know, what was really learning, uh, a learning opportunity for me is to really hear what staff was concerned about. I, you know, I originally thought it was simply, you know, perhaps the news or what they heard in the media, but staff was reluctant for a variety of reasons. Some were truly deathly afraid of needles. Some didn't think they needed because they already had COVID and, and thought, why, why would I risk, you know, getting sick again? by getting the vaccine. So interesting perspective there. Some didn't trust the system. Some simply just didn't understand how vaccines worked. And, you know, I think what really this pandemic brought to light is that although we were really wonderful in bringing, you know, the scientific community was did a phenomenal job in bringing the vaccine to market so quickly, as a whole, we've not done a great job in post-school age vaccination of adults. And, and so really, this is the first big effort in, you know, immunizing a massive amount of adults since the 50s and 60s. And so, you know, it's just, it was incredible to me how much was needed in terms of just basic uh, education in terms of how vaccines work. So we're beginning to see staff be a little less hesitant. And part of that is because they're seeing their friends get, you know, the vaccine. They're now hearing less stories. They're watching less you know, videos of in on Instagram and things like that in terms of what they saw as perceived side effects. And so I think that it's important for any operator to not give up on your staff. So even if your staff told you no three times in your first three clinics at CVS or Walgreens, continue to ask them, you know, just because they were hesitant a month ago, two months ago, doesn't mean they don't deserve another shot now. We've been hearing from providers really all across the country over the past weeks and, and couple months now about how the vaccines have affected their communities. You know, anecdotally, we've heard some communities have, have started to see leads pick up and inquiries pick up. And and I think in, in some cases, maybe that's that's turning into occupancy gains. I know that you're a little bit removed from the, the actual operations of these communities, but among MMP's clients, that have completed their vaccine clinics, have any of them reported that they're seeing, starting to see a sign of a recovery in their markets? Yeah, absolutely. We're seeing not only residents moving in at a much higher rate than we saw of all of last year, but we're also seeing communities take on projects that, you know, they had put off. You know, really a lot of the senior living community 
put several things on on hold during COVID. And so now we're seeing them pick back up on maybe an EMAR implementation that they had been putting off on. Uh, we're seeing them pick back up on, you know, some wellness or, you know, fall prevention programs that they were redoing. So it's exciting. Um, and I shared earlier that I think it's an exciting time for senior living because you can literally feel that energy being, you know, rejuvenating to the, to the industry. I also think that one challenge that we have is we're starting to see the impact of all of the stress that was on the staff over the last year. So staff turnover has always been a problem in this in industry. I, you know, I think now we've got a lot of people that have one thought to themselves, why am I living where I'm living if I could work from home? We've got people thinking, you know, why, why am I in such a tough industry? You know, or gosh, just burned out. And so we're seeing some higher rates of turnover right now and some challenges in really finding uh, right, you know, the right candidates and key wellness positions. So it's an exciting time and, you know, residents are moving in, projects are getting started, but also now it's a matter of getting those positions filled to meet that new demand. There was a while where if you had two or three positions open, it wasn't so, it wasn't so impactful because your census was down. Now census is climbing and you're now six people short. So that's a real challenge for some of our communities. So over the past couple months, I've written a few stories now about vaccine clinics. And as I've talked with senior living providers, the ones with independent pharmacy partners have told me that they think that having a smaller, more flexible partner was actually an advantage during the vaccination process. So I'm curious, did MMP's size allow you to be more nimble when coordinating these clinics? Yeah, you know, Tim, I think that's a great observation. And surely having a smaller independent pharmacy cuts through the red tape. So MMP size and our agility help to decrease that experience for any of, you know, our partners. I also think it goes beyond that. Partners is a part of our name. And because we really see ourselves as partners to the communities we service. And so Size and ag agility is important, but paired with engagement and commitment. Because as part of our commitment, as I shared earlier, we want to improve quality of life and simplify pharmacy. So we actively engage with all multiple layers of an organization, industry thought leaders, what's going on in the market to anticipate needs and proactively problem solve, and then respond quickly. And so there are many situations where because, you know, yes, because of our size, because of our agility, but also the level of engagement and commitment we have with our partners, we saw a problem coming toward them. We reached out to them. You know, there were several of our large partner groups, you know, and, and our communities that I actually reached out into November and said, hey, let me help you with this education thing. You know, hey, let me help you with sending some staff to facilitate your clinics because you've got, you know, 300 people to immunize in a day or vaccinate in a day. And so I think that really helps. And then just, you know, just yesterday we had a situation, we've got a, a group that has 11 communities across three states and their VP of clinical was getting questions about clinics and vaccines and what to do with staff. And they were about to have a, a monthly wellness call. And literally two hours before this wellness call, he shoots me an email and says, hey, can you jump on the call to answer these questions. You know, in a large, with a larger provider, that relationship with a subject matter expert isn't there to quickly get someone to respond. And in a situation like that, I was able to jump on the call, answer the questions, but also help to 
re-energize the team with what does the next three months look like? Because in this COVID-19 situation, we've really taken like the new normal comes to us every three months, right? There's a new normal of now we're vaccinating and then the new normal okay is okay, we got through vaccination. Now the new normal is how do we keep vaccinating? And so, you know, being flexible, it just, it makes a huge difference. So size and agility is important, but also that that level of engagement with all levels of the organization, it's just, it's imperative. Earlier, you had talked a little bit about the challenge of operating in multiple states with these vaccination clinics. So do you have any advice for senior living providers? Because I know there are many of them with communities spread all across the United States. So do you have any advice for providers that have uh, multi-state operations? Yeah, I I think it's important for multi-state operators to be involved with each state's regulatory committees, be involved with each of the state's calls. Like every state is doing either a weekly call or a bi-weekly call. It makes a difference to be on those calls, be known on those calls and interacting with people on those calls and actually reaching out to them separate from the calls. Having someone to build that relationship with DHS of Wisconsin, you know, Colorado Health Service, you know, whatever that health service is, makes a real difference. And then being able to share the best practices as heard from each state and then create protocols that take the most stringent of the states. If you operate in eight states and you've got, you know, one state that's more stringent, you know, take that and look at, can you just spread that across every community so that you're in compliance with everyone um, and you've gone actually above and beyond. So I think that's important. I think the other thing is to understand, especially in this COVID-19 vaccine effort, that each state really, really, truly has done its own thing. And so you may be surprised with some of the subtle differences. For instance, in Illinois, Illinois has its allocation and Chicago, which is also in Illinois, has a separate (laughs) allocation. And so you could have communities in the same state that have to deal with two different organizations. So being involved, I think, is the first step. I, I know I've been curious about this, and I've talked with providers who have also been curious about this. So it seems like these these vaccination efforts, you know, even though I think that the pharmacy partnership for long-term care program, I know that there's there's three clinics involved in that, but but we've got questions, and I know I have questions about what comes after that. So can you tell me a little bit about how MMP plans to continue to support its senior living partners even after that that program ends? Yeah, yeah. And so we're, we're right at that point, Tim. I'm glad you brought this up. We're right at that point where several communities have completed their third clinic. Now they're excited. They're able to move in new people. And now they're left with, well, how do I get them vaccinated? And so what MMP is doing is we've created a rolling schedule for the communities that we service where we are allowed to vaccinate. So for instance, right now we can vaccinate in Illinois. And so we created a rolling schedule where we've uh, placed each community on the schedule and we've given them a set day and time. And every 21 or 28 days, depending on which vaccine we get, we provide them with just that comfort and that confidence and knowing that every 28 days or so, or maybe every 21, if it's the Pfizer, which is what we have now, we will be at your community. And the way we've structured those visits is that we will reach out to them a week before their signed date. And if they don't have anyone that needs vaccine vaccination, we'll skip, but just hold their appointment for the next month. And so 
creating that rolling schedule so that they know with certainty that there's going to be a day where a pharmacist is going to be there to vaccinate their residents and their staff is important. And then being flexible. We've learned that, you know, once people say, oh, we think we're going to need 10 doses, but they start offering it, maybe that number jumps up to 50. Being flexible is another thing that we've learned is really important. And so, you know, we're really working with our communities to be flexible, but then be part of that ongoing vaccination effort, because this, this isn't over. Those three clinics just got us out of the immediate need, but it is, it's going to be a good, as I shared earlier, four to five months of continued, really focused vaccination efforts. You spoke a little bit earlier, you had some advice for senior living providers going through their vaccination clinics. I'm also curious to make this easier on, on the folks that are actually doing this, you know, such as MMP, are there any particular characteristics of a senior living organization, you know, the, I can think of maybe size that might make administering the vaccine easier or harder? You know, really, the only thing that has come up that I feel is a consideration for some groups that have different care settings within their complex. For instance, IL along with assisted living. Over the last year, they've really kept those groups of residents separate. And so when it comes to time for a vaccine, suddenly they're, you know, they're dealing with, do I have, you know, my two or three IL people come over to the AL to get vaccinated? Do I have my memory care residents come out of their locked area and move around the building? So I think just working through how they're handling the movement of people, it's the vaccine clinics, whether it's 50 people or 100 people or even 10 people, the, the protocol is really the same. So I wouldn't say that size per se is a challenge. I think that just how we've kind of segregated people, you know, in the wake of COVID as an infection control mechanism, that's, that's created a little bit of challenge in, you know, having the clinics. And so adjusting that and having a protocol for that, I think is key. And then just more generally, how can senior living providers be better partners, you know, for, for pharmacies like MMP? I really think that it starts with engagement, Tim. You know, we want partners that want more than just a transactional relationship. There is so much that pharmacists have to offer. Yes, we fill prescriptions, but there's so much more than that. And in this last year, you've seen that. Pharmacists are vaccinating the country, you know, right now. We're standing in and providing education. And so, you know, pharmacists want to be involved. They want to have a seat at the table. And for MMP specifically, we definitely want more than just that transactional relationship. We want to work with people that see pharmacy as a partner, not just a vendor that are interested in progressive services, um, appreciate and want standardization. They're really intent on truly delivering value, expressed value, felt, (laughs) you know, value, focused on uh, accuracy, and then they're growth oriented as well. That's what I feel is key for a partnership, not just having it transactional and a finger pointing that, you know, that, that doesn't really get anywhere. And I think where we really excel is in that engagement. All right. So before we wrap up this episode of Transform, I want you to gaze into your crystal ball for me. So what is on your radar for 2021? And do you have any other, you know, pharmacy related hot topics that you can share with us today? Yeah, sure. So I think for MMP, we're super excited about rolling out some new programs, uh, collaborative practice agreements. We're expanding partnerships and and going into other states. Uh, We're also 
looking at adding uh, additional uh, medication therapy management services to really improve the delivery of pharmaceutical care to that resident and you know to that family. I'm really having those dialogues between the family and the pharmacist about the medication therapy that that uh, assisted living resident is on. And then I think in terms of, and one other thing obviously for this year is as we continue with COVID vaccines, we'll roll right into flu vaccine season and um, start to immunize there. And then I think for hot topics, it's you know really looking at how communities can use their pharmacists to help them save time operationally. We've been really involved in looking at where they're less efficient in workflow and not using uh, data-driven decisions. And so so we're really focused and, and um, excited to have what we've learned as, as pharmacists in, in operationalizing, using op- automation in our, um, in our pharmacies. There's a lot of those practices that can be applied to senior living that make a huge difference for the experience of the nurse the burnout of the staff. And so, I, you know, I would say in terms of a topic, as opposed to just talking about another health and wellness initiative, it's time for us to really use automation and technology to take us, you know, beyond where we are. A year ago, we would not have thought about using Zoom to have effective meetings. And gosh, look at how effective we've gotten. There's a lot of technology out there that can really make a difference in what that nurse's day looks like what that operator's day looks like and bringing that to the forefront and helping to have people optimize the technology they already have. That's what I think is, is really a tip of tongue because the requirements for reporting of testing is not going to go away. The requirements for reporting of you know vaccines is not going to go away. All of these additional things that have been thrust upon us are not going to go away. And so we've got to be more efficient. And so Above all, I think we've got to start with, you know, the the efficiency and using technology in this next year more than anything else. Well, wise words to end on. Patrice Johnson, thank you so much for coming on Transform with me. I feel like I learned a lot and it was a pleasure talking with you. Thank you so much. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you, Tim. That does it for this episode of Transform. I would again like to thank Medication Management Partners for sponsoring today's episode. I'm Tim Regan. Thanks for listening.